Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. Were you the last one to be picked in gym class? Convinced you would never be a runner? Did you start running later in life than decide to run a marathon while trying to make time for training, work, and two children? Well, in today's episode, we have Robin Lester Kenton, and she is going to tell you how she went from zero to marathon in three years while juggling family, work, and training. We're going to call this one hashtag balance, hashtag perseverance. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. Robin Lester Kenton, Bedsty Flyers. Robin, how are you? Hey, Peter. Hey. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. How was your week? My week is good. You know, it's getting close to Christmas, and I have two little kids with a lot of energy. And so I'm just trying to get it all done while doing my runs in the cold. And that's something you mentioned right off the bat, two kids and yeah. the amount of time. So we're going to definitely discuss how running and training and affects relationships and family and work and everything. Are you currently training for anything? Or are you looking forward to some early winter races in 2020? Not yet. I am just back to running period after the New York City Marathon, which was my first. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's like the the impossible thing that I never in my life thought that I would be able to do. So I'm still riding high on that. Um, but I did get an injury while I was training and I really had to take a, a full month off of not running at all. So I'm just hoping to like get back up to three runs a week and um, really kind of want to diversify my workouts, like do some more core training and just have a more like wholesome approach. But um, I don't know. I'm considering the Brooklyn half again. I've done it the last two years and it's one of my favorite races. So I'm going to see how I feel in early new year and see how it goes. Great. And now is the perfect time to take some downtime because it's, yeah. it's, you know, one thing I know, I know you're from Buffalo and today's <laughs> weather in New York city probably had you feeling a little like home again. You know, yes and no, this squall, whatever that was like the 30 seconds blowing snow, if it's not a lake effect storm with two feet, then it does not concern me. Go about your day. <laughs> so let's find out a little bit of the non-running essentials. Uh, as we mentioned, you grew up in <laughs> Buffalo. And yep. uh, when you were growing up, were you running then or when did you start running? Uh, no, I um, absolutely did not run growing up. I was um, always the kid that could not finish the mile run in the presidential fitness test which was the worst. I mean, I grew up doing dance, so I wasn't not active, but I just never had the stamina to, you know, run very far. Mm -hmm. And it's just the, the thing that I always thought would be the most impossible thing for me to do because it was such a challenge and it was such a humiliating challenge to be, you know, second period gym class, um, you know, trying to get four laps around the track. Um, so I actually started running, I didn't start running until 2016, actually. Oh. 
Yes. Um, and I decided to, for a couple of reasons, it was a time in my life, you know, my kids were, they're still young, but they were very young then and everything was so hard and I had no time for myself. And I felt like I was just doing a crappy job at everything, at parenting, at being partner at my job. Most of all, I was neglecting myself and my health. Mm -hmm. So that combined with the stress leading up to the 2016 presidential election, which only got worse after that. Um, I really wanted to not like, because of the election. Well, not that I didn't start running because of the election. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, part of it was just to deal with stress. Mm -hmm. I knew I had to be, to do something active. I kind of picked running on one hand because it was free, you know, aside from buying like expensive ass shoes, um, free. I could, I didn't have to travel anywhere first to go do the thing. So like, I didn't have to spend an hour traveling to and from the gym and then take a class. So I could do it at any time. Um, so it was that. And I also, because it had been this, this like looming thing since I was a kid about like, this is the hardest thing. I really, I, part of me chose it as sort of a very radical challenge to like, how far can I push myself and just see what I can do, like under the pressure of everything else, can this get me over the hump? And it did. I did in like the second month get a stress fracture. Um, so I went to vote um, for Hillary, Hillary Clinton in a pantsuit and a boot. Um, <laughs> so I had to take a little break. But um, in January, I was back and I started all over again. Um, and, you know, my first goal was just to like, if I can just do a 5K, like I've never done a race in my life. And I did it. And I, I was surprised once I was racing, you know, not just running on the road with stoplights. I was quite a bit faster than I thought I would be, you know, for like a nearly middle-aged lady who was new to running. Mm -hmm. And so each race I did, you know, I had a bunch of other friends, like runners and non-runners, were like, oh, you got, like, if you can do that, just why don't you try for a 10K? Right. And keep going from there. So, so you keep going. I can do this. You know, you keep going. Yeah. So you talk about stresses and family and you talk about like business and career and balancing that out with family and running. So what, what is it that you do in, in uh, your business career? So currently um, I am the head of uh, marketing and communications for the Brooklyn Public Library oh, System. Great. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it's really like kind of a dream job. Um, we are the sixth largest public library system in the country. So we have 59 branch libraries. So I oversee like marketing programs and the design team and the website and social media and email marketing and a whole bunch of things. So I, you know, as far as jobs are concerned, I could be in a lot more stressful places. It's a very humane place to work having kids. Um, but it's still, you know, I have a large team. I'm responsible for a lot, but it's, you know, especially in, in today's, you know, political, emotional climate, it's, really quite awesome to work at a place that has such a amazing democratic public vision and mission. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so at least I have that, but you know, certainly I have to be here full time. Um, you know, and sometimes I'm on call on the weekends, depending on what comes up. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. It sounds like you have a lot going on, but it's great that you enjoy your work. So that's a big thing for the mindset. Yeah. What would a typical training week be like for you in balancing your kids, 
Uh, how old are they, by the way? They are five and seven. Okay, so you can't just send them off to school and they they're on no. for themselves. So it's like, all right, I'll no. see you later for dinner. Um, yeah. So so then a little more time before right. that. So then, what is the schedule like for you? And this is interesting <laughs> for all the other parents out there that have to juggle all these responsibilities. So you know, what is your training work and day in a life with the kids and family? So when I started running and they were, you know, even a few years makes a big difference. So when they were even a couple of years younger, it was much harder for my husband or I to do the whole morning routine by ourselves. So when I first started running, I would go, I would get up at five, no matter the weather, it was dark out, it was raining and I would run, you know, I don't know, like three to six miles eventually when I got better. And I would actually sometimes get home before they, the rest of them had even woken up. So that's how I fit it in the day. These days, now that I've joined a running group, which has really just changed my whole mm -hmm. experience of running, which will, you know, you have a similar experience, I'm sure. So now I have a Tuesday, Tuesday and Thursday group run that's like three to four miles that's in my neighborhood, which is great. So I still don't have to go very far to meet up with the group. And then I'm not back to this yet, but ideally I will get back to a longer run on Saturday or Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. So if I'm, if I'm training for a longer race, you know, that usually is up to four days a week. Um, I joined a gym across from my work where I rent a locker. So when I was marathon training, I would do my, you know, my long weekday runs on the way to work and then, you know, sh shove a week's worth of work clothes in the locker and mm -hmm. do my shower and stuff there. Um, so it's definitely possible, but it takes a lot of coordination and organizing. You right. really have to plan ahead if you want to fit it in. And does your husband run? No, he does not. Okay. So, so and we, we always joke about like runners. You almost have to date a fellow runner <laughs> but for them to understand. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, it's like, especially if you're training for a marathon and you're like, I got to, oh, yeah. sorry, I got to go to bed early. Can't have that drink. I got to be oh, up at yeah. six o'clock in the morning to go do that 20 mile long run. Then you come back yeah. and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm shot. I don't want to do anything for the rest of the day. Yes. <laughs> but you know, yes. I mean, the, you know, when we met, it was years before I started running. So it wasn't an issue. And we, you know, we've, it, it is challenging sometimes, which I understand. Um, but we, he was really supportive of the marathon because I got in this year on the lottery, my first time ever trying. And so I said to him, you know, this is something that's really important to me. I know it's going to take up a lot of time. It's a, you know, it has an end date. I'm not going to be doing this all the time. Um, you know, I think I maybe even like semi promised that I would only do it once, which I hear is the famous last word. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, and really like he was a pretty good team player about it. I think it was harder in the beginning when it was taking up so much time when I was starting. Um, but he really, you know, when I got hurt, he was very supportive and like, you know, if you don't, if you can't finish, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not proud of me. Um, but you know, he, he made a huge sign and came out with the kids and I could, you know, I could see the sign from, you know, several blocks away. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I really owe him big time. Um, so we'll see. He, he does do some cycling. He is kind of, you know, I am much more, he grew up in Kentucky, so it's not quite as cold there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm much more hardy, but for him, it's like, if it's, 
you know, under 50 degrees and dark out, he doesn't want to go do his laps of Prospect Park. So, um, but he has started swimming in the morning. So I'm just trying to return the favor and accommodate, like, you need to go, you need to do laps. That's cool. I got the kids. Um, so I'm really trying to like pay it back. It's communication. That 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 is a key yes. factor in having a relationship and family and trying to do all this type of training. So it's very important just to be open and say, I'm looking to do this. Can you support me? And what is it next that I can support you with? And that's how that's yes. a sign of a great relationship. Yes. And, and, you know, I sort of had to come to terms myself with accepting that if I do this, you know, this training for four months. I have to accept and acknowledge that I'm not going to do other stuff like A, because I'm too tired, but, you know, B, because it's just too much time out Mm -hmm. of the house. Like I need to be there for my family. So I didn't do a lot of socializing um, on, you know, weeknights or weekends. And I knew it was, you know, it was a limited time, but I sort of had a, you know, a come to Jesus moment with myself halfway through where I was like, you're doing this and that's all like you're doing this and your job and your family and, and other people, other things can wait. And and it's the sacrifice now for the benefit in the future. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, exactly. we, we like to talk about what experiences people had, whether it's a great race or a bad race or dealing with anxiety and uncertainty. So mm-hmm. what would you consider your worst race? So I would say my worst race was earlier this year. Um, it was kind of a, a comical worst race, but in my um, half marathon training, I forget if it's like halfway through, there's one week you're supposed to do a 5k. And so that weekend I happened to be in California for a work conference. So I looked, I, you know, I looked around and sure enough, there was a race in the town I was in. It was a 5k. I think it was like a, you know, stroke prevention awareness type thing um, at a, at a high school. So I signed up, you know, I showed up, I had sort of like sneak out of the conference and I, you know, I go get my bib. So I showed up at this high school and I see, you know, it was legit in that it was a timed, they were like timed bibs, but I could tell it was like two thirds, like older ladies, like mall walking it. Okay. So I, you know, it was one of those where I was like, okay, like I have a chance to like maybe place in my age group, mm-hmm. you know, which like, that would be great. But, you know, I know I'm not, I don't train enough to really have that be a, a real like option. So the race starts and I see immediately the whole way I'm, I'm in for women, not just my age, but for women, I'm in second place the whole way. And I'm like, Oh my God, like right in the pack, it doesn't, yeah. Like it doesn't matter that two thirds of these folks are mall walking. Like mm-hmm. there's a chip and it's going to show that I'm in second place. So the laps part, it, it was like three laps around the high school, but it wasn't the same lap every time. So like the first one cut through the parking lot and the next one cut through the track. So we come around the third time and there's like, you know, high school students at the high school who are volunteering to direct the runners. So I'm, you know, this other guy and I sort of stop and we're like, we're on the last lap. Where do we go? And like, just caught this kid off guard. He's like, oh, I think go that way. And so he ended up sending us the wrong way. So we ended up having to run almost an extra mile. Wow. And so I don't, you know, I didn't finish in second place. Like other people were directed the right way. Um, And it was such a bummer. And I I wrote a letter, an email, like a a tersely 
worded mm-hmm. email to the organizers, just like, you know, I was here from out of town. It's so disappointing. Just, I want you to have this feedback. And they just never got back to me. No apology. And that was a bummer. Like, I could have actually had a like a legit podium right. spot of women overall. And this teen, like checked out teen, just wasn't paying attention. And then so. that's a chat. That's sometimes with like the smaller races uh, that happens. I had a similar incident happen to me and it was uh, along the Brooklyn promenade where the piers are. And yeah. it was an out and back and you would go up and down around the piers. So you'd go out yes. and I said, I'm coming back on my second. Do I have to go this way? Because I was following some people and they turned, but yeah. I thought I was in front of them already. So uh, so the person said, yeah, you got to go around the pier. And I ended up putting in an extra like four tenths of a mile. It's unfortunate. And those kind of things in the smaller races are always an obstacle at times. And especially for people who are doing like ultra or trail runs and you can get off course so quickly. And yeah. you, next thing you know, you're a mile away and it's like your hopes and dreams are shattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I could have placed in the... <laughs> In the like Los Angeles stroke walk run. Right. I oh, could well. I could have been a contender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you gotta do yeah. some like meditation, some yoga, some I, yeah, I so. did, I did. You know, I think like right after I called my husband, I was just like walking it off. And I in, in the burbs of this town, I didn't know where I was. And just called him crying, like, you know, that really what happened. Like I went the wrong way. And I just was like, All right. It's a stroke walk, like get together, move on. <laughs> get it together, get a grip. <laughs> so, yeah, that, you know, it's disappointing. It, it is was... disappointing. I mean, especially when you're you're sitting there and you're like, I'm going to podium. Yes, yes. And you know, the, the other funny irony of it is like, they also gave out medals to everyone, which I think it, you know, it's always cool, but it's like for a 5K, like you're going to invest in like a pretty sturdy medal and you, it just... I don't know. All right. So then let's move on from your worst race. So let's we'll yeah. breathe in, yeah. inhale, exhale. Okay. And yeah. how about we uh, shine some light on this and talk about your best race? So I think my, my best race um, was probably my first half marathon, which was the Brooklyn half in 2018. Um, this was a, a big deal because it just seemed like, I guess it seemed this way with every race, but having, you know, it had the word marathon in it. So it just seemed like, you know, to run 13 miles, like how am I ever going to do that? But the training went so well. Um, and the day of, it was raining. It was even like, poor, I don't know if you ran that one that year, but it was like pouring. Nope. But I remember the weather. <laughs> and Yeah. And so just standing, you know, I just showed up and just felt so JV because everyone else, I think I had a poncho, but everyone else had their, their sneaker, their feet wrapped in bags. And I was like, oh, I didn't know it was a thing. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, But I started the race and I was just, I did so much better than I thought. Like, I think when I first put in my, you know, that was my first, I think, Roadrunners race. So I didn't have any prior time. So I had to estimate my time. And I remember being like, I don't know, 220, like that sounds reasonable. Um, and I just didn't know. It's like, it was the same, you know, later this year as a marathon where you just don't know, like, how am I going to feel? I've never run this far. Um, so so you, did, felt, you hadn't trained at 13 yet before doing the half. 
Yeah, I mean, I had trained up to 12. That okay. was my, All that right. was my mm-hmm. plan, but I'd never, that was the farthest I'd run. So did that day off. Um, so I just started off and I was just amazed at how the training really paid off mm-hmm. and that, you know, that it continues to amaze me in longer races. But, you know, again, a lot of times I'm training, like I'll sometimes do loops of the park, but a lot of times I'm running on the street and I stop, if there's a red light, I'm like, well, I can stretch and like take a break. So I just didn't realize that I could run that far right. without stopping. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I stopped for like a gel, I think. Um, but I ran in the rain and I just felt totally badass and finished in 156. That's oh, fantastic. I, That's great. Yeah. For my first half. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I remember thinking beforehand, like, like two hours I thought was like, if I hit that, like, that's going to be amazing, but I don't know that I can do that. And I had a moment when I, when I hit the 10 mile mark and it became easier for me to calculate in my head, like I could look at my watch and be like, I, I had this moment. I remember where I was like, even if I slow way down to a 10 minute mile, I'm still going to be under two hours. Like, yeah. holy shit, mm-hmm. it's, it's happening. Um, and I kind of like running in the rain, which might be weird, but I don't know. I think it makes me feel kind of badass. Um, so that was probably my best race. And I, um, just felt so awesome about it. There's two things you hit upon right there in in that story. And one is about trusting your training. So anybody that is thinking about running their first half marathon or their first marathon, and they look at the, they'll look at the training plan and it doesn't show you ever running 13.1 miles and it doesn't show you running 26.2 miles. Yeah. And like, yeah. So these are like the Hal Higdon the, or like the novice or maybe intermediate plan. So you never end up training running that full distance. So a lot of people do get anxiety about, yeah. I haven't run that far. But the key point is if you've stuck to your training throughout those months, it's in the bag. You can trust yourself and you're just going a little bit into that unknown. And while like doing a marathon after mile 20, you're just going into the void. You're going into the, like the bed, bath and beyond section. You're going to the beyond (laughs) section. You don't know what's going to be there. You don't know what's going to happen, but trust in yourself. And and, that's totally true. Yes. And and the other is you said training in the rain. And that is another key factor. You can't do anything about the weather on race day. So don't skip rain day in your training. Get out there because the more that you become accustomed to training in adverse conditions, the better you're going to be on race day. So nothing new on race day, as they say, well, train in the rain. I'm a big snow. I love snow, sleet, 18 degree weather, bring that on and I'm out there. So let's get into your main main thing here is talking about starting later in life and then getting mm-hmm. into why you chose to running and then you started building up 510k and then two half marathons talk about your experience going into the New York City marathon <laughs> you know we talked about this a little bit before the recording that you had an injury and yeah. let's put that all together and yeah it gets it gets even worse yeah. right yeah <laughs> let, let's hear what's going on there yeah So I have a good friend who does not have kids. So she has a lot more time to train and has a flexible job, but but she has been really my biggest cheerleader. So I think she's the one who encouraged me to run the Brooklyn half, like sign up, sign up, like I'll do it with you. And so she really started planting the like, you should do a marathon. You should do a marathon. And so 
next year, 2020, is going to mark me being in New York City for 20 years. So I thought to myself, like, well, okay, this year, 2019, I'm just going to enter the lottery just to see. And then if I don't get in, in 2020, I'll do a fundraising team and, you know, so I can get in. I don't have time to do nine plus one. I'm obviously not going to time qualify. So that's really my option. So I signed up for the lottery. And I even remember that morning looking at my calendar because I had a note on the, my Google calendar that was like marathon lottery today. <laughs> and so I was at work and got a pop-up on my phone. I get a pop-up when I get a credit card charge. So I didn't, you know, I hadn't yet learned this, that you get your card as charged before you get the email. So I uh-huh. look at my phone, I'm like, $295 from the Roadrunners? Like, what the hell is this? And then it hit me. Like, I sort of froze and was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, and sure enough, I gotten in on the first try. So then I thought, like, how impossible is this? Like, now I have to do it. Yeah, you can't I, back down you know, now. I can't, yeah, now it's happening. Um, I can't pass up this opportunity. So I remember for the first few days, I really felt like I was excited, but I was like nervous, like kind of nauseous nervous. Like, what am I, what am I doing? What am I getting myself into? And just decided like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I had this plan. I was going to do every single training run. So I've used the Hal Higdon <laughs> plans. We we all say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not I gonna so I'm much. not missing one so day. <laughs> yeah. Um so you know, I, I used the Hal Higdon plan. I had used him for the halves and it worked out great. Started out great and I was really surprised like how good I was doing, even in the heat, like the first week of training. I was in Kentucky, you know, visiting my husband's family and it was like, you know, a hundred degrees. I was in rural Kentucky and I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I got to run. I got to run six miles. I got to run three miles. And I did like laps of this very, very hilly playground. Um, there's a lot of hills in rural Kentucky and I was like, I'm doing it. Like it's on. So it was probably around, everything was going great until maybe like five weeks out from the race. Um, that's when everything. You know, that's when everything's supposed to go wrong. Okay. Well, now I'm glad I know that now. Yeah. Thanks for telling me now, mm-hmm. Peter. You should have told me that yeah. in October, <laughs> but now I know. So, you know, I have some really good long runs, and I think another thing, jumping back to like how to prepare, is if you can to run parts of the the route of the race. Mm-hmm. Like that was super helpful for me in the marathon and the half, especially where there's places with hills and like. Especially, so especially in New York City. New York City is, yeah. uh, and I yeah. keep on referring to it as, it's unforgiving. It's an unforgiving mm-hmm. marathon, especially once you get past the halfway mark. Yeah. So oh, five weeks out, I had a, a, a track run, you know, probably like four or five miles. <clears throat> Nothing happened. It wasn't like, you know, I hear a lot of runners say, or like in my reading, like, oh, I heard a pop or I, I landed the wrong way. Like nothing Nothing that I can think of happened. I'm sitting at my desk and I'm sort of like, well, my knee feels weird. What's up with that? And so um, really that, you know, that was the start of the injury, which ended up being like a calf sprain that was in my upper, upper calf behind Mm -hmm. my knee. So for, for, you know, a couple of weeks, I couldn't figure out where the pain was coming from. That was one of the most frustrating things. Like Mm -hmm. I know when I land on the right foot, I get like a stabbing pain somewhere in the knee area, but I don't know where it's coming from. The, the infamous PC, runner's knee. 
Yeah, like, and I, you know, I have some weird alignment issues on my right side anyway. So I was like, oh my God, like, th- you know, I shouldn't have done this. My body's telling me um, I shouldn't be doing this. So, you know, I'm, I go to, I have a great PT that I'd just been seeing throughout. And he really couldn't, he was like, I think your joint's fine. I think it's like soft tissue injury, but that, you know, then I got obsessive about it and that wasn't specific enough. Like soft tissue, where, what soft tissue, why, where, you know, what can I do? Did, did you start diagnosing yourself through Google? Oh, absolutely. Doc, <laughs> Dr. Google and I got very close the last five weeks. Um, so, but what was weird is, so I would start running and it would, if I just kept running through the pain, um, I would warm up and it never felt a hundred percent, but I would sort of, it would sort of feel a little bit numb. Like I would get through the stabbing pain. So I was like, well, this is just what I have to do because I can't, I'm heading up to my hardest week. Um, and you know, so I'm just going to keep going. And so it got to a point, I was supposed to do a nine mile on a Wednesday morning. I got like four miles in and I was like, I just, it feels like it might give out. Like, I don't want to get stranded in like the Southern Prospect Park at 530 in the morning. You know, I was going to run from Bed-Stuy, do a lap at the loop of the park and run back before work. So that, so then I, I really started kind of freaking out about injuries. Then that following week, um, the tr- my training plan had my long run was 14 miles. Mm-hmm. So I'd signed up for um, the Brooklyn Greenway half which some friends were doing. And that was so funny to get to that point. Like the, my other half marathons had been such a big deal. And now, you know, I, I had made a comment on Instagram, like, you know, so whoever thought I would just say, I'm like casually running a mile before a half to get my 14 in. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, you start adding three mile warm ups to go race a half marathon, then yes, like a three yes. mile because you need to get your 20 in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So I think a friend replied, it was like, Robin, it's so cute that you still don't think that you're a runner. And that was sort of a wake up call to be like, oh, you know, because I really have for all these years been carrying this around with me that like, I'm not a runner. I can't. It was like, wow, like I really laid it down there. Like, yeah, that's some runner shit. Um, so <laughs> welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah. So I did the race. It was my slowest half, but not by much, but I ran through it with the knee thing. And as soon as I stopped, I got crazy body chills. And I thought like, well, it was, it was kind of a weird October day, like a little bit chilly and misty. And I was like, well, it's probably because I was sweating and now I'm cold. So got home by the nighttime, by the time I was putting my kids to bed, it's like, oh, I think I have a cold. And then I fell asleep in my older son's bed, like just passed out. And the next morning, um, my younger son actually also had a fever, but just a mild fever. So the next day he and I stayed home together. And by later in the afternoon, I knew I had this fucking flu. And I was waiting for my husband to get home with my other son. So I was like, I got to just go to urgent care and get a flu test. So I texted him and was like, I need to lie down right now. And like, if you are not home in five minutes, like if I lie down, I'm not, I'm not getting, I cannot get back up. And you didn't make it home in time. I had to get in bed. And I would, I don't think I've ever felt so sick. So now we're talking like three, four weeks out from the marathon. I was so cold and I was drenched in sweat and I hurt all over. So, and that's not going to help recover any muscle damage or any, you know, any ah, ligaments. It's, it's just miserable is what it sounds like. Yes, it was bad. So the next morning I did feel a little better, 
went to urgent care. I'm like, well, I might have the flu. And they sort of laughed it off. Like, it's a little early to have the flu, miss. Um, and I had actually just six days before I got my flu shot as well. So they're like, well, okay, you know, we'll give you the test. Sure enough, like even minutes before the test was up, they look at it and they're like, yeah, <laughs> you're our first case of the season. Uh, congratulations. Yes, hey, see? Yes. Now you've sort yes. of been given a medal for that. I know, you I know, know. You came in first first place in the flu first, comp yes. in the flu competition. Yes. Yes, yes. The um Utica Avenue Crown Heights uh urgent care <laughs> blue competition gold medal podium spot. So I'm still thinking so Peter, this the worst part is this was the Monday of the week that was supposed to be my the week, the twenty mile week. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, wh what am I going to do? And so I'm like texting various friends, like, I'm still going to try and do the, like, I'm just going to rest and I'm going to try and do the 20. And they were like, are you crazy? Like, you need to, like, you cannot run 20 miles when you have the flu. So at this point, I start, I start really thinking like the marathon is less than a month away. Can I, am I going to get there? Can I finish? Like between the, the training with the flu and the, the muscle injury. Um, cause at this point my longest run was 18 miles and had been to mm -hmm. the week, you know, two weeks before that. So it's like, well, I don't, can I even do it? And it was, you know, then after well, that, you have it was to like, take some downtime and, and then you're going to go into tapers. So yes, when you yes. were going into tapers, had it subsided by then? The, the flu had like, I was, I was up to mostly normal by the next week, but I had a bad cough. I have asthma so that every time I get sick, that like triggers breathing issues. Mm -hmm. so, Breathing's not but, very important when running a marathon, by the way. Yeah. That's yeah, overrated. <laughs> yeah. Who needs to, who needs to live while they're running? So yeah. So I, so I talked to various people who were like, oh yeah, if you've run 18 miles, you can still finish the marathon. It's like, can I though? I mean, yeah. that was really the true test because that's not just like the half where it's like, Oh, I'm going to run one more mile. We're talking like almost 10 miles farther than I'd ever run. And so the, yeah, the, the week that I started back up was supposed to start tapering. And so I never did my 20 mile run. So every day was like a roller coaster. Like, mm -hmm. am I going to do it? Am I not? Am I going to do it? Am I not? And this is really the, the trust your training. Like that is I remember you and some other folks in, in running group being like, oh, the tapers are going to drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, Taper that's, madness. that's crazy because that sounds pretty good to me, like five mile runs. Like, why are you complaining about that? And so I totally get that now. Pretty crazy. And I mean, even until the, the run, I think you were on the run with me the, the Thursday, the last, my last run before the marathon, the two mile, I limped, I limped ran that whole run. And I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. So, um, so, so then going into the starting corrals, you know, how were you feeling yeah. when you arrived in Staten Island? Because at, at that point, adrenaline starts to take over. There's anxiety, yeah. there's nervous anxiety, there's nervous energy, and then there's adrenaline and there's 50,000 of your closest running friends yeah. all lining up to go over a giant bridge. Yes, yes. So, you know, the weird thing is I really, that morning, the day before was probably the worst of it. I didn't want to talk to my family. You know, my husband was like, how are you doing? And I was like, not good. Don't talk to me. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
but that whole morning, it was just like a sense of calm. I was nervous, but I was like, you know, kind of like floating in the air. Like, all right, I'm just going through the motions. I'm going to get there. And when I got onto the bridge, um, you know, they, I heard the, the cannon go off. And when they started playing New York, New York, I didn't realize they did that. I just started crying, like happy tears. Like I made it. I made it to the start line of the New York City Marathon. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's, it is such like, an emotional moment. It's yeah. it, to describe to people that haven't done New York City, the emotions that are involved in it. Oh, uh, what, and what, what I can say is, and I've run, I think I've done six marathons now and a, and a few and a couple ultras. And this year was my third New York City marathon in a row. And out of all the other marathons I, I did, even when like Chicago, which is my PR and yeah. going into this New York, I'm freaking out the week of, and I was talking to some others like, you know, we run, we've run marathons before. Why are we so anxious about New York city? What is it about New York city that gets us all wired up? I mean, like I just ran an ultra marathon two weeks ago yeah. and now I'm showing up in Staten Island, doubting myself and having second thoughts and I'm nervous energy. And it's just the energy of, of New York City is such a crowning marathon. You, you know, you look at yeah. the world's majors, but there's something about being in New York City. And if, if you live in New York City and in a run club, then you know you're going to bump into friends on the route. <laughs> but it's like, why is New York City so? It's like everything else in New York City. You know, it's like a million times harder than anything mm -hmm. else to do that thing in New York City. Like, rent an apartment, get from you know point A to point B do anything. I just like part of the package. Renting an apartment is probably <laughs> similar to running the New York city marathon. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure which is worse to be honest. <laughs> so then tell me how were those last six miles? Because now you went into that uncharted area, you're going up the hill on fifth Avenue and then you're going into the park. So how, how did it end up for you? So, you know, the amazing thing is that I, um, once I started running, miraculously, I did not have any muscle pain. So probably adrenaline, like I'm a little woo-woo about it. Like I had really been praying to my mom who passed away many years ago and she was like my biggest champion. So I was just like, please let me be there with me. Let me finish this race. So that was sort of my mantra when I started. This is another thing I like looked up and many running blogs were like, you have to have a mantra for a marathon. So I kind of Googled around and they all just seemed really dumb, you know, like get it to win it. Or like <laughs> I can keep going. This. So it was very clear to me once I started and I had no pain that my mantra was going to be, I love you, mom. Oh, that's, so every yeah. time I felt tired, mm -hmm. I said it in my head. And I got to say the last, I mean, for me, it was the last um, eight because I'd only run 18. I never got to 20. And I had, so I had one phone on my armband for music. And then I had another phone in my shorts pocket for pictures. So I was like, and it was awesome. I have a whole Instagram story tracking like my training and my pictures from the day. And I got to say, I didn't hit the wall. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Like I had so many friends come out and see me. People I didn't even know were going to come out, just like jumped out of the crowd with a sign. Um, some of them like not, you know, a little before Fifth Avenue, and that hill, like I got, I was pretty pissed. <laughs> I was like, yeah, what the fuck? Um, because my plan in training that day, I was going to do the 20 miles. Um, 
when I had the flu, I was going to try and run, you know, the last 20 of the route so I could at least do it. So I had never run, I'd never run into the Bronx. I'd never done that whole last part. And I really kind of felt like I was in a trance at that point. Mm -hmm. Like just keep going. I made only one full stop, um, probably around mile 20 when I had to go to the bathroom and my leg was shaking so bad that I thought like it's going to give out and I'm going to fall and I'm going to be trapped in this porta potty. Um, but I got out. And so th- by that time you kind of realize like if I stop, I might not be able to start again. So right. Yeah. That's one go. thing that you got to keep going. It's it, and yeah. it, once you begin that start stop regiment, your brain starts saying, no, you don't have to keep doing this. Why don't you stop for yeah. a little while yeah. longer? <laughs> So, so then getting into the park, you get into the park, you come back out 59th street, which you know, I always just get annoyed that they have to kick you out of the park again. It's like, I'm already I didn't here. Realize, <laughs> and, I didn't even then, realize that was going to happen. It was like, what the hell? Yeah. So you get it back in the park and like, what was your feelings when you crossed that finish line? So the one really awesome thing was that I had a, a friend, a former coworker of mine in the stands at the finish line. Um, she, she and I used to work together at the department of transportation my, at my last job. And so she had also run a previous marathon and she had just been a great support, like texting me throughout the training. And so she told me she was going to be in the stands and she was like, I'll look for you. So I was looking for her and she saw me and stood up and I saw her and she's like really loud and just like cheered her ass off for me. And I just, it was amazing. It like cheered me in across the finish line so that the picture I sent you is me just like cheering back at her. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's, the it's the ener- energy of the crowd is really what propels people through those final miles. To summarize, after you completed it, how'd you feel that following week? And are you going to go do it again? So the following week. So one thing that was interesting at the very end, I was really sure I was going to cry after I crossed the finish line. And I didn't. I think I was just so again, in this sort of like other plane of living that I was just like, you know, walk very slowly. And my one thought was like, where is the metal? Like I had to walk a little bit till I had the metals. And I was just like, that's the one thing I like, I'm going to finish. I want the metal. The next week, there was a lot of limping. Um, but I felt awesome. I mean, I really was like riding high on that. You know, I wore my medal to, I took the day after um, off. So I wore the medal to drop off my kids. Mm-hmm. And that was really awesome because the other kindergarten parents are like, oh my gosh, did you, did you run a marathon? Oh my gosh. So that was really amazing. Um, my coworkers who are awesome, you know, I mean, I manage a team of graphic designers. So they decorated my whole office, like the marathon, like oh, they mimic nice the mile marker <laughs> with my initials. They put like a finish line ribbon across my door. They had actually like purchased one of the race photos and made me a card and signed it. And it was just like, it was incredible. Like I just, um, it was, it was great. It was great. I so, would say like the training, especially that last month was so much harder than actually running the race. Oh yeah. The, that's it, well, like the, the race. The race is the easy part when you're doing yeah. all that training, the race is the easy part. So this is fantastic. I mean, it's amazing the accomplishments that you've had and it's like starting later in life, having children, having a family, having work and going back, not being able to pass the presidential fitness test. It's amazing the trajectory and the accomplishments that you've done. So if you were to give any advice, some parting words to our listeners, what would you say? Oh, man. Um, I would say if you really commit yourself to a training plan, then it is 
truly possible. Um, it really is. Um, I, I think, else? yeah, I know. I think that's perfect. Trust your training. You'll hear so many runners and experienced marathoners, coaches is when you get up to that start line on race day, trust your training because on race day, it's more mental than physical. Your body's ready to go. And it's just about yeah. keeping that mindset. So yeah. Robin, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for sharing your stories. It's great. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best and the holiday season to you and your Thank family. You. And I'm sure we're going to see each other out in the road in the new year, uh, whenever, yeah. whenever we get back out there. So thank you once again. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Right. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay. You too. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace. <laughs>